Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Hello and welcome in Monday edition of the program. We come out of the weekend and believe it or not, IU basketball begins coming up this Saturday. Hard to believe that college hoops is almost here. I know so much anticipation for the Hoosiers this season and we're coming out of a good weekend of football. IU had the lead, lost it, takes another tough defeat against Rutgers in New Jersey And it was a good Friday night for high school football. Our local teams were successful in the first night of sectional play. We've got a number of teams moving on to week two of the postseason and some other teams that had a bye and were idle this past Friday. They'll get an action coming up on Friday night as well. So we'll get back to a full Friday night coming up this week of high school football. But a great time for sports fans here in southern Indiana. Welcome into the show. We do this each weekday live at 11 a.m., complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a southern Indiana perspective. We've got a jam-packed show for you. So much going on right now. Let's take a look at the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Tam in New Albany. Segment one, lots of changes in our local high school baseball programs, all of which seem to be successful year in and year out. And Trey Watson, a state champion as a player and as an assistant coach, has been named interim head baseball coach at Providence, and he's going to join us here in just a couple minutes on the program to kickstart our Monday. Also, later in the show, Zach Osterman is a regular guest on Mondays. We talk IU basketball and IU football. There's sure plenty to get to on both of those subjects with him today. And then later in the show on Mondays, Chad Gilbert, the athletic director at Charlestown High School, also an IHSAA executive board member. He joins me as well as we talk local sports and we'll recap the opening night of football, the playoff football that is uh, from Friday night and talk some other topics with Chad from a local perspective when he's with us a little bit later in the program today. That's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Tam in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service is still available as well at Honey Baked Tam in New Albany. Don't forget you can text the show. You got a question for Coach Watson of Providence, uh, something on IU football or basketball for Zach Osterman, or local sports for Chad Gilbert. You can send it to me at 502 414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. That's what we call the Thornton's text line, and Thornton's is the perfect stop for all the best pick-me-up items you need to get your day started, like their fresh coffee and delicious donuts. Again, 502-414-1450. That is the Thornton's text line. Let's go to the phone line and talk to our first guest today. That is Trey Watson, a former Providence standout baseball player, also an assistant coach, now the interim head coach, and he joins us here 
on this Monday program. Coach Watson, congratulations. It wasn't so many years ago. I was covering you as a player, and now the opportunity to talk to you as the head coach of Providence Baseball is quite a treat. Oh, Matt, yes. It's, um, it's a good deal. I'm, I'm very excited for the opportunity of it. I tell you what, it's got to be unique to play there and have the level of success that you and your teammates did come back as an assistant coach as a very young man while you were in college and uh, now get a chance to lead the program. I know this is a simple question, and you've probably been asked this by a lot of people in the community, but what does it mean to get the chance to be the head coach at a program where you played and had that kind of success? Uh, I'm, it, it means a tremendous deal. I, I feel like it was in a such a good spot. Um, coach Hornung and, and Coach Hutchins both did a really good job in keeping the tradition of the Providence program and um, just kind of what it means to, to have the, the Pioneers logo on, your, on our desk and to, to be successful. So it's, it's awesome to be able to do that as a, as a leader um, and to be able to help the kids as well and to have fun with them. Coach Watson of Providence Baseball, my guest. I guess when you meet with the players, and they know you because you're younger and your brother obviously uh, just recently, not many seasons ago, graduated from the program with great success as well. But uh, these guys know you as a guy that can still get out on the field. They know you as a state champion. I guess you being there as an assistant coach and having this kind of experience makes this transition to the top job all that much easier. It does, which was why it was it was for me to feel confident to, to take it um, because, you know, it's being underneath all of the coaches that I was as a player as well as an assistant, um, it was just, it was really easy to learn from all of them. Obviously, Providence Baseball has been one of many successful baseball programs in Southern Indiana. Can you talk about the area as a whole and how good baseball has been when you were a player and since you've been an assistant coach? I mean, this area year after year sends teams to Indianapolis for state championship games uh, and has some very talented players that go on to play college and at times professional baseball. This is just a good place to be if you love baseball and you want to coach at a high level. Yeah, I mean, it's it's always tough to play the local teams. Um, they're always barn burners or we're always playing up against collegiate level athletes, um, like you said, and even some that went to play on professional um, so it's it's fun, it's competitive, and you know there's there's never a doubt that that we will produce something at the collegiate level around this area. Talking with Trey Watson, he's the interim head coach of the Providence baseball program. The school made the announcement on uh, his elevation to that post last week. I believe Trey that your team will have a lot of seniors this coming season, and Providence had another very solid year last spring does that make the transition from assistant to head coach even easier for you to have some seniors back that provide leadership on and off the field yeah i mean we we have eight seniors coming back and um i said i told them after the fall like we'll be a championship team especially if they are our leader driven team and um i don't i don't have a doubt that that we will um have a problem with that because the, the seniors this they're just a good group of young men and they're athletic they are good leaders respectable and um i was i'm just very excited to see what what they can do this this spring we're talking with new providence baseball coach trey watson here on the monday edition of our program 
you know, you talk about seniors, but you also have some young talent in the program as well. We had Cole Hewitt, one of your sophomores, on the show within the last month or so to talk about his Division I commitment to Virginia and learn more about him as a player and his future as a baseball uh, standout at Providence. So you've got that good mix of seniors, but also some young players like Cole to pay attention to for next season. Yes. I mean, Cole played so well last year. Um, we have our, our juniors as well. Our junior class is going to be um, successful as well with Jack Bile and Luke Kruer um, and, and, and a few others, you know, and I think, Across the board, we're just gonna we're gonna be talented, and it, it definitely helps as well with the leadership that we'll have in the senior class and their talent already. All right, Trey, this is a program that, as we mentioned, has won state championships. Uh, how do you continue uh, that motivation and try to continue that level of success with the program that's reached those high marks? What's your message to players? this offseason as they go through conditioning. And I know you've already had some fall practices earlier, but what's the message to this group as you take over and try to continue that level of success? You know, I, I it's it's pretty easy for us to, to kind of accept how talented we are. But, you know, as we saw last year in the, in the postseason and regionals, uh, things can happen when, when Forest Park played well and um, they came to beat us. And um, I, I think that, us being taking the day by day to get better and not expect for things to happen, and um, just we, you know, in the fall we did a lot of competitions and, and making all of our practices competitive. Um, that's going to be the message this year. All right, Trey Watson, new Providence baseball coach, the interim baseball coach the school announced last week. I know that we're getting ready for basketball. That's kind of the center of attention right now here in Southern Indiana, but. As you think ahead to the spring, I know you'll be excited to get practices and games going. Anything on that schedule stand out to you? Early challenges for the Pioneers or big games you're looking forward to? You know, I mean, we play Silver Creek a couple times. Uh, any local, like you said, the local um, the local talent's always good. So I, I definitely look forward to playing Silver Creek Jeff as well as New Albany. You know, Timmy and I played, Timmy Redford and I played against each other and literally growing up so um it's always it's always fun to, to be looking forward to that as well as just the postseason in general that's where i was headed next some real changes in the coaching ranks with coach mcintyre retiring at new albany tim redford taking over that program coach ellis stepping away at jeffersonville coach stock taking that program and most recently trey you taking over the providence program as a former assistant a lot of change this off season and some youth coming in to the area coaching ranks. I'm sure as a young guy, you like to see that. You mentioned your connection with Coach Redford at New Albany. Kind of neat to see you guys now hook up on the field as coaches. Yeah, I actually haven't gotten to talk to him about it since. But, um, you know, playing playing against him growing up, it, it was always competitive. The Jeff DRC, New Albany Little Leagues. Um, and then, of course, moving into the, the high school, Providence in New Albany rivalry um and i'm definitely excited to to play against him because he was a good athlete and i'm i'm looking forward to him succeeding at new albany as well all right great stuff trey watson interim head baseball coach at providence trey it's been a pleasure to get to know you your brother your father really your entire family uh wish you the very best of luck and look forward to being out 
at Providence High School to follow your career as the head coach now. Yes, sir. Thanks, Matt. All right, Trey Watson with us here on this Monday program to begin our show. Uh, neat to see uh, some changes in coaches, some young guys getting opportunities, and Trey Watson, a guy that I think will have a bright future leading the Providence baseball program. Speaking of high school sports and the Pioneers, it was really a good weekend locally for our high school football teams. Providence got it rolling in the second half as they record a win over Springs Valley, and they advanced to, I think, a real challenging game coming up on Friday night against West Washington. Also, Silver Creek, uh, kind of a crazy finish to that game. Wyatt Hoffman actually scored two touchdowns in the final five seconds of the game to help Silver Creek to a 53-42 win against Jennings County. A wild finish in sectional 23 first-round game. Caden Oliver, the quarterback, he had a two-yard TD pass to Hoffman with 4.7 seconds left. That gave Silver Creek the lead, and barring some miracle from Jennings County, the win we thought at 47-42. But then it was Hoffman that picked up a, fu a fumble, the Jennings County team trying to lateral the football and able to take it back in for another score as the game wrapped up. So Silver Creek, maybe some momentum there. They've got some tough challenges ahead in that very good 4A sectional 23, but a very exciting finish Maybe one of the more exciting football games we've had. Maybe the most exciting game this season. The Holy Cross-Providence game also strikes a chord for maybe that uh, category as well. But a big win for Silver Creek as they move on. Also Clarksville, uh, they now have a winning season, which is big stuff for Coach Bozier and the Generals. And Robert Lamar, uh, somebody texted in on the Thornton's text line last night and asked, or uh, last week, I should say, and asked me about his recruiting and why no Division I schools were involved. But I'll tell you what, he continues to put up just unbelievable numbers for Clarksville. And the Generals, 70 points in a 70-42 win over Eastern Pekin on Friday night. So they advanced to the next round with a victory as well. So our local teams were victorious on Friday night. A good start to postseason football here in the area. I've been, uh, you know, questionable at times about our local football scene. We don't always have a lot of sectional champs locally. We don't always have a team like New Albany, a surprise last year that made it to the semi-state before getting uh, beat handily by Indianapolis Cathedral. Uh, so a good first night, and let's see if Providence and Charlestown and maybe a sleeper uh, could uh, advance further into the tournament a few weeks and maybe get multiple sectional champions from the area. But I tell you what, Providence... Uh, they got it going in the second half on Friday. Providence and West Washington, I understand, should be a great game coming up this Friday. And if the Pioneers can win that one, them against Tecumseh in the championship game the following week should be good as well. Don't forget, coming up this Friday, the other classes, 5A and 6A, that had buys on Friday night. So New Albany and Floyd Central, they're both in the same sectional. And Jeffersonville, who's in 6A this year, uh, they will begin their postseason play coming up on Friday night. So we'll have a full slate of games basically here in Clark and Floyd counties coming up on Friday, and that's going to be a lot of fun. We'll head to a commercial break. When we come back, Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star will join. Lots to cover and break down on the IU football loss to Rutgers on Saturday. Also, IU basketball coming up this Saturday, just days from now. The first of two exhibition games, the Hoosiers will host Marion University at 3 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. And I think everybody can rejoice that college basketball, at least the exhibitions and the secret scrimmages, 
and those type of events are almost here. We'll begin later this week for a lot of schools in the Big Ten and across the country. So exciting times ahead from a basketball perspective, that is for sure. We'll head to a break. We're back with Zach Osterman on IU football and basketball. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. You know, a basketball hero around here is treated like a god. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back on this Monday program. The Thornton's text line is open at 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. If you got a question on IU football or basketball, now's the time to send it in because Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star, who covers the Hoosiers for the Star, is with us on Mondays to talk IU football and basketball. I think I'll save the best for last, and that's IU hoops starting on Saturday. So, Zach, let's dig into the football loss on Sunday, on Saturday, I should say. Um, IU football loses an early lead. Uh, they lose their fifth straight game in process of losing that league. And to me, I think the uh, air, the wind just went out of the sails of IU football the way things transpired on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it was it was really reminiscent, Frank, a lot of, of games in his place so far as the offense just kind of driving. In this case, it's a little different it's, you know, through the electricity of the um, uh, the, the kickoff return for a touchdown, and then the offense looks early, but once again, kind of this ability to inability to sustain as uh, as sort of game goes on, and it does feel a little bit. I mean, if you're not in meetings if you and all that kind of stuff. It, it can be really to. Um, start, I guess, you know, make some, making some assumptions that are dangerous. Uh, exactly. what I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what, we're having some problems connecting with you. You're coming and going. I'm not sure if you can get to a location with a better signal, but Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star with us will re-try uh, to connect with him here in just a moment and bring him back. But talking IU basketball and football, the Hoosiers, a loss over the weekend at Rutgers, and of course the exciting part of our conversation that I hope we get to have today with Zach is IU basketball in the first exhibition game with Marion coming to Assembly Hall on Saturday afternoon. Uh, do we have uh, Zach back with us now? Zach, are you there? Stand by. All right, we're going to get the reconnected with Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star here in just a moment. Thornton's text line is open. 502-414-1450 is the number. Again, 502-414-1450. And don't forget, coming up later in the show today, Chad Gilbert. He's the athletic director at Charlestown High School, member of the IHSA executive board. He's with us on Fridays, as, excuse me, on Mondays as we take a look at local sports. And we've got a lot to talk about coming out of the weekend with the high school football postseason getting underway 
on Friday night as well. All right, I'm going to check. Uh, are we back with Zach here now? He's ready to go. You All can right, hear Zach, me. are you with us? Yeah, can you hear me? Got you now. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it, it, this is one of those situations where it can be dangerous to start making assumptions if, if you're not in offensive meetings and things like that. But when you see a team that sort of excels offensively and things sort of dry up as a game where it's on, what it does feel like is there's not a step to that offense. Maybe you know, talent on the field, depth in terms of that a team is able to really say, oh, make some adjustments to that. Well, you know, coach tries to make adjustments, certainly. Um, but, you know, it, it, sometimes you're limited to what the players on the field can do. If we're seeing I'll tell you what, Zach, we're, we're still having problems making you out here. You're cutting in and out on us. So we'll, uh, we'll try to reconnect with Zach, but I'm not sure that's going to work out with the connection that we have right now. So, again, IU football, I think we all know the situation, a loss for the Hoosiers on Saturday at Rutgers. It was really a game that they needed to pick up given some recent results. But now five straight losses for the the uh, Hoosiers on the football side of things, 24-17, the final score. And I think why I say the win went out of the sails of IU football on Saturday is because for so much of that game, they were in control and they had the lead. And uh, now, of course, staring ahead uh, on November 5th coming up after a bye week is a game with Penn State followed by Ohio State and then Michigan State and uh, Purdue to finish out the season. So if there is one good thing with this program right now, I think that the off week comes uh, at a very good time for IU football. After five straight losses, some concerns uh, coming out of the game, I think, with injuries, and just such an unbelievably tough stretch ahead with Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan State, that trio, followed by a rivalry game at uh, against Purdue, which uh, has been an up-and-down team that you really don't know exactly uh, what uh, what's going on. So, uh, Zach Osterman, I don't think we're going to be able to connect back with him, having some problems getting him on the program today. So we'll kind of wing the rest of this segment, obviously from a basketball perspective for the Hoosiers. Uh, they get the season underway with Marion University coming up on Saturday. That's the first of two exhibitions, and I love this. I've said this before. Marion University on Saturday, the following Thursday, November 3rd, an exhibition, the final exhibition with St. Francis. Two really good in-state programs, and from a Southern Indiana perspective, you know, you've got the Luke Goman at Marion and some local connections on the Marion team, coached by Scott Hetty, who's a formal, former Carmel coach. And then for uh, St. Francis, Brandon Northern of Silver Creek is there as a freshman. And so some local connections there as uh, they take on Indiana in those exhibition games. But regardless of the local connections, I think it's great to see in-state programs that have legit opportunities at their respective level to compete and win national championships, get a chance to play at Assembly Hall, to get that big environment, to take on a top flight program like the Hoosiers. And a big deal as well, they get paid. I mean, it's a it's a pay-for-play game uh, that they get to put into their athletic budget, to their basketball budget. So great to see that stuff stay local. I, I used to love to see Bellarmine when they were a Division II program. We've had other great in-state programs get the opportunity as well. But more of that, uh, from my perspective, when it comes to 
kind of helping each other out in our basketball state. But looking at the schedule, you know, it's it's going to get started Saturday, and it's going to happen uh, hot and heavy after that because the actual regular season begins uh, two weeks from today when Indiana uh, hosts Moorhead State. And then they come right back November 10th uh, with another home game. And then really it's November 18th on that Friday at Cincinnati, a game against Xavier, which is a Gavit Games, a Big Ten, Big East Challenge game. Uh, that's the first big opponent. And I think the first real opportunity where we'll get to see this IU lineup be challenged by another uh, you know, high major Division I program. Xavier's been a great program in college basketball now for many, many years. And then, of course, uh, moving into the latter part of November, Miami of Ohio, Little Rock, Jackson State, uh, those will be fun to watch. Those are opportunities for Indiana to mess with rotations and lineups and get maybe the opportunity to see this really good second string that we think about now with IU basketball. Uh, but all of that leads up to one big thing coming up just over a month from now, and that is Wednesday, November 30th when Indiana and North Carolina square off in Bloomington as part of the ACC Big Ten Challenge. That is going to be a fun night to be in Bloomington. I don't care if you're a fan, a season ticket holder, the first game you've ever been to, a media person, you're going to want to be in Bloomington that night if you can get in the door. I think it'll be absolute pandemonium. And we'll have a feel if this Indiana team is ready for that challenge with Xavier and how they handle some of these lesser opponents between now and the end of November. But after the North Carolina game, Here's what I mean by hot and heavy. It goes to Rutgers and Nebraska, two very important early Big Ten games for the Hoosiers. December 3rd is Rutgers uh, at New Jersey, and then December 7th at Wednesday home against Nebraska. Of course, after that, I don't have to tell you, it's Arizona on December 10th, followed by Kansas on December 17th. So obviously a lot of fun ahead, and we are just days away from the start of the uh, season. There's there's no question about that. Indiana, number 13 in the preseason AP poll. We talked about that last week. These are all things I wanted to talk with Zach about if we could have gotten a better connection with him. But in addition to that, some big news for future seasons last week. In fact, it broke while we were in the middle of our program and Coach Calipari of Kentucky was in the middle of SEC media days that Indiana and Kentucky, that series is going to resume. Uh, the teams will play four times, at least in this first agreement. And it looks like there's an opportunity for not only games at neutral sites, but also games on campuses as well. And, and I can't imagine, we talk about Indiana, North Carolina coming up November 30th. I can't imagine Indiana, Kentucky at Assembly Hall or Indiana, Kentucky at Rupp Arena. To me, that is what college basketball is all about. So it was a big week last week, news-wise, for the Hoosiers with those announcements. And now it's a big week because the season is here. We are just around the corner from getting things underway and uh, going to be a lot of fun to see Indiana. I don't care if it's Marion, D2, NAIA, North Carolina, D1, national TV or not. It's just going to be fun to see this team uh, get underway. I also saw that uh, tickets, if you're wanting to get up to an Indiana game and you're not sure that you can make time or afford it, tickets for as low as $13 plus the transaction fees available on some of the ticket sites. So, uh, if you want to get up to a game and see this team early on and make your own opinion live and in person, Saturday may be a good time to get up there and check in with them. We'll head to a commercial break. When we come back, more on high school football and fall sports. Chad Gilbert, the athletic director at Charlestown High School, will join us. Chad is also an IHSA executive board member. So we always talk local sports when he's with us. 
And the Thornton's text line is open, that number 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. We'll head to a commercial break and come back with more here on this Monday edition of the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, welcome back here on this Monday program. The Thornton's text line is open. That number 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. If you want to send in a question, comment, something about local sports, uh, of course, IU with Zach Osterman in the last segment. Love to hear from you at that uh, 502-414-1450 number. Also had a tweet from Hudson. He says, would appreciate a little shout out to the Floyd girls volleyball team making it to the final fours, the semi-state uh, this Saturday at Columbus East. That's on Chad and I's list to chat about both the Highlanders and the Providence Pioneers with success over the weekend from a volleyball standpoint. Chad, overall, and welcome in Chad Gilbert to our program, overall, a really successful high school sports weekend for local teams. Our local football teams were victorious uh, on Friday night in their first round games. And of course, uh, Columbus East, or I should say Providence and Floyd Central, headed to Columbus East for semi-state volleyball this coming Saturday. Well, man, I think it'll be a great atmosphere for Southern Indiana in the Orange Pit this weekend. And not being real familiar with the landscape of volleyball, and, you know, we know the Prodigy teams and the uh, Kivas and all the different teams that are involved in there, that, which are the, I guess what they call them, travel teams. I'm sure that most of these young ladies are teammates in the off season or affiliated with each other in some way or another. So I'm sure all the parents know each other. I'm sure the kids know each other. So it'll be a great time for Southern Indiana to go to represent in the Orange Pit and hopefully get both of these teams to the state finals. If you think about it, Matt, it's uh, – Volleyball has been very, very strong. Another sport in Southern Indiana that has represented very well in the IHSA state tournament. And there would be nothing better than to send two teams from our area to, in Floyd and Clark County to Muncie next weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Congratulations to both Floyd Central and Providence. Great for the Highlanders. But I tell you what, for Providence, Chad, it doesn't matter with Coach Perica what class they're in. They've bumped up and now moving back down with the IHSA tournament success formula, but she finds a way year in and year out after key graduates and big-time college players to move on in the postseason and get the job done. Man, I know we've talked about her several times in years past, but that would be someone I'd just like to sit down and just talk to, you know, just kind of see the way she runs her programs from top to bottom and the culture she de- she develops to get kids there. You know, you, you think from the outside looking in, you can guarantee that everybody in the state is thinking, well, Providence recruited all those kids. That's not the case. I've got a, a 
a good friend of mine, you know, a uh, uh, growing up best friend whose daughter played there, you know, who play, who's playing there right now. And she was in the program all the way through, you know, and that's one thing he's told me. All these kids have came up through the program. So it's not like that they're cherry-picking the best players around. She has put a lot of effort into the program, a lot of time, and a lot of dedication and created a winning culture. And I think a lot of that can be said for other schools is around, around as well. I think that uh, Silver Creek has had a lot of success as of late. Uh, Floyd Central, of course. New Albany, you think about the years past that they've had. Uh, I think that we've got a really good coach up here who's trying to create that culture in Hannah Jolly. So it's a whole lot of stuff you got to do from the groundwork up. And I think volleyball is a, a, a rising sport something that you're you're getting more numbers in, you're getting a lot of kids involved. And with boys' volleyball being an emerging sport in the IHSA, I think you're only going to see volleyball continue to take off. Yeah, I was going to mention boys' volleyball. I know we never talk about it on the program, but it too is taking off in our state and even in this area. And when you say volleyball sport, both girls and boys are sports of the future. Chad, I've got to agree with that comment wholeheartedly. Well, you know, you think about it. Look at Louisville. I mean, Louisville uh, volleyball is one of the premiers. Kentucky won it, right, Matt? Yeah. They won, they won the national championship. I don't think there's any coincidence that, you know, they've with these programs that they have in Louisville, what they've developed in the outer echelons here, that they're pulling a lot of stuff from there. I think Western Kentucky has a very strong program. We've talked in years past about Chance Coyle, who played at Bloomington South. Uh, Neil, everybody knows that Neil's my roommate in college. Uh, his daughter is an absolute stud. Kennedy is at Western Kentucky, and starting as a sophomore, left-handed, six foot one, you know, outside, and she is killing it, just having a wonderful career. And again, it's something that these kids have gotten involved with. They've been in successful programs, and the coaches have really worked really, really hard to get these kids in a position to be successful. And it's and it's a lot of time. You know, I talked about my friend Jimmy. You know, Jimmy Adams, who's got his daughter involved in it. He's got two other daughters, and every weekend they're involved. They're at a tournament. They're somewhere. They're in Indianapolis. They're in um, uh, Florida. They're somewhere all the time, continuing to play, playing against the best competition available, and trying to hone their skills. Yeah, absolutely. Volleyball is something to keep an eye on. Chad Gilbert, my guest. Uh, Chad is the AD at Charlestown High School. We talk local sports on Mondays. Got to talk about high school football on Friday night. Proud of our local teams. I have been, I hate to say critical because I want to be a cheerleader, a supporter of all high school sports and local sports in this area. It's always what I've tried to do. But sometimes football lets you down. There just aren't the sectional champs locally that you want there to be. There haven't been any state contenders that have actually got to a state championship game since Clarksville back in, what, the mid-90s. But Friday night was a good start to the postseason for your Pirates, but for other teams that were in action as well. Silver Creek had a thrilling win. They scored two touchdowns, really you could say, in the last five seconds of the game. Uh, to get a big win for them. Providence really turned it on in the second half. They're a team, I think, that could get it done as far as winning a sectional here in a few weeks if they uh, can beat some good competition that's ahead. And then, of course, Charlestown, I mentioned a rematch with Salem. They got the victory fairly handily and now move on to the next round. So a good night uh, for those that were in action on Friday night. Let's hope that we've got a number of winners this next Friday night as well. Matt, you think about it in years past. Let's go back the last four or five years. 
this may be the most teams in Clark Floyd County who have been playing on week two of the uh, state tournament. we got a lot of people who are in, in action this Friday night. I think it'll be exciting. Uh, you know, with us being undefeated, I know Charlestown's going to be behind. Our community is going to be behind our football team big this Friday with rival Heritage Hills coming in town. Uh, you want to talk about a, star- a storied program. You know, Heritage Hills has to be one of the most storied programs in the state of Indiana. You think of some of the former players that they've had that have been in the NFL. They are have to be at the top of the list of a team that's had that success just year after year after year. If you look at their record, it's not stellar, but they've played some very good competition. Um, it, it, it will be a, it'll be a, a battle at Charlestown on Friday night. We've moved the game to 730. Uh, hopefully we get a good crowd. Hopefully we can, the Pirates can come out on top. But it, you can guarantee one thing, Heritage Hills will not go away lightly, and neither will Charlestown. But it, we'll, we'll look forward to it, Matt. It's something, uh, one thing I did want to touch on, as we kind of talk a little bit behind the scenes on how the sectional works. So in this sectional, it doesn't matter how big a gate we have. Let's say we have a $20,000 gate on Friday. That gate does not go to Charlestown. That gate does not go to Heritage Hills. Much like the basketball sectionals, 2% off the top goes to the state association, and then the rest of that gate is divvied up amongst the other schools in that sectional. Now, that also is true for Corden and Southridge as well. So the ones, you know, it benefits. And when you're eliminated, let's say Salem is eliminated, they get that gate from this week and next week as well. So it kind of gives teams a kickstart going into winter, a little bit of a boost to kind of get their winter sports off the ground, which I think is a great thing that the IHSA does for all the sports, all the football teams to get in there and kind of spread that pot a little bit, get everybody off to a good start and kind of go from there. Chad, I'm glad you bring up some of that behind-the-scenes stuff in your role as an athletic director and a board member for the IHSA. I tell you what, a lot of people think that Seymour High School must have money and bank accounts full all across the state because of the Romeo Langford years and the sectionals and regionals and semi-states that were played during that time to capacity there. Just unbelievable crowds that took us back to the years of Damon Bailey and some of the heydays of high school basketball. But those splits, especially in that sectional round, it's not what you think it might be. Well, another thing with that is mileage. If you're X amount of miles away, you will get a healthy uh, check coming in to, to offset some of your costs. So for instance, Madison was at Heritage Hills. That's a lot of miles. Madison will get that check to kind of offset part of their travel. And I get that as well. You, but the one thing, Matt, you brought up the regional at Seymour. Seymour hosts a sectional. They they still divvy that up. But the regional, that money in the semi-state goes back to the association. The one thing they do get is concessions. And anyone who knows who's worked concessions, that's a, you know, people think you're making money hand over fist. That's not the case. When you're paying X amount of money. You you may be doubling your profits if you if you buy a Coke for a dollar from Coke and you sell it for two dollars. You're doubling your money. 
Uh, so some of those situations is not quite as good as what it appears. However, if you think about those old Seymour regionals, or you think about the Romeo days in the Seymour regionals, and you ask for a Mountain Dew and that thing's lukewarm, you know they're putting them in there as quick as they can get them out that they're selling a lot of Cokes that day. And we've all been in the Seymour regional and got a lukewarm Mountain Dew before. <laughs> Chad Gilbert, my guest. Uh, Chad? Uh, good stuff. I want to bring up a little personal note for you as well. I just haven't had time to fit this in the last few weeks, but we know you're busy. AD is a big role. Obviously, I have a lot of sympathy and a heart for all of our local athletic directors who I think do a great job. Uh, and you're obviously at the top of that list, but you're also on the IHSA board. You're a great representative of Southern Indiana on that board. And I know have brought even on this show to light a lot of things that are going on that you guys are working on uh, in our weekly conversations. But recently, you also were appointed to the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame board, I know, which takes more time and is a volunteer situation, but uh, puts you in touch with some of the great names uh, that are still active or alive in our state in hoops. And that's got to be another great thing for you to be part of. Well, man, I, I, I've been excited to be part of that uh, 16-person board, um, and it's it's something that it, I've always wanted to do. It's something that uh, I'm fortunate enough to do it, and it's something that I'm around a lot of great people. Um, Matt Martin, who was on the IHSA board with me, the old AD at Knightstown, has recently became the director, taking over our good friend Chris May's position, and Matt will do an outstanding job um, Matt, we need to get him on the show as well here to kind of talk about some of the stuff that's going on in the hall. Um, but who pulled me in on it was a, an old basketball coach. We talked about Seymour, a legend in Seymour High School, Donna Sullivan. Mm. Donna, Donna and I have had connections from way back when I first got into coaching uh, we worked Hanover Camp when I was in college, had a relationship there. Uh, my sister played on those teams with Abby Conklin and such growing up, uh, Kristen Maddox, that we had a connection because we'd go through those tournament games at Seymour. And uh, for whatever reason, Donna has always taken me under her wing. I've been, I've been blessed with that, Matt. You think about the coaching trees, the people who have kind of taken me under their wing, whether it's, you know, and Alan Cundiff, who I started with, you know, my dad from a young age, uh, a Tony Hall in the AD mentorship, uh, a Donna Sullivan, a uh, Jerry Jones, a Bruce Pearl, you know, and, and one of me, in late years who has really been a mentor to me is Mike Broughton. And Coach Broughton is on that board as well with me. He was on the IHSA board. And you want to talk about an outstanding mentor, someone that I've leaned on very, very heavily over the years is uh, Coach Broughton and, and another Indiana legend as well. So it, it's a it's an opportunity to meet a lot of different people, to have a lot of fun, and to recognize some of the individuals and some of the teams throughout the state that have made Indiana basketball what it is. Yeah, no question. Talking with Chad Gilbert. Chad is the AD at Charlestown on the IHSA Executive Board. He's with us on Mondays. You mentioned this earlier in the segment, and I know we've had a little more time today than what we typically do. Uh, we were talking about boys volleyball. You used the term emerging sport in the state of Indiana. If you look on the IHSA's website, right now there are two emerging sports. Girls wrestling is one, boys volleyball is the other. I've kept up with some of that, even over in Kentucky as well. They've got some additional ones. What exactly is an emerging sport? 
uh, and how does that work, and what could the future of those emerging sports be as far as becoming official sports with an official state tournament administered by the IHSA? So, Matt, what the, the emerging sport is, it is a sport that's been brought to the association, and they feel like the association feels like this sport is ready to become an IHSA-sanctioned sport. To, so that will have its own state tournament, its own sectional, regional, semi-state and state, sponsored by the state, and ha- and it has enough support from our membership schools to make it something special. And that's the one thing the IHSA do- does not do, Matt, and I think we've been around it long enough, is they don't cut any corners. They don't half-step anything. If they do something, they're going to do it right, and they're going to do it as big time as they can. And I think they want... That's the part of the emerging sport. They want to get enough people involved, enough schools that make this something that will be big time. Just not something that you throw together, let's get something together on a weekend, let's crown a state champion. They want to have the same appeal, the same uh, pageantry as a cross-country state championship, a wrestling state championship, a basketball state championship, a football state championship, the same volleyball the same type of deal that goes on with that they want to do with these emerging sports. To get to that point, half of the membership schools must sponsor that sport. And there's a whole lot involved with that, Matt. It's something that I think you see with bigger schools have a better opportunity to do that one. But let's just think of what a startup sport is involved with it. One, you have to find a coach or a sponsor to do it. Two, you have to find a way to pay that person. Three, you have to find a way to get equipment. You have to find a way to get uniforms. You have to make sure those kids all have physicals, all are academically eligible. You have to make sure you have the facilities to house them. That's to get it off the ground. Then once you do that, when all right, now let's get in here in the mix. Do we have our ticket workers? Do we have our officials? Do we have our concessions? Do we have our workers at the table? A whole lot of stuff involved in that and to add in these sports that uh, some schools, it's an easy thing to do. Other schools, it may take a little work. But I do think it's something knocking on the door. And I do think, you know, as, as for ADs, you haven't, you think, man, this is just one more thing I have to do. This is one more night out. However... As an AD, every one of the ADs in the state, all all of our friends in the Hoosier Hills and the uh, Mid Southern Conference, all all our athletic directors around here, they do it for one reason. They do it for the kids. They want them to have a successful opportunity, a successful high school experience, and they understand that the more things we offer, the more th- opportunities it is for kids to be involved in something special and represent themselves, and most importantly, their schools. Yeah, good stuff. Chad Gilbert with us. Chad, thank you so much. Great to spend a little more time with you today. Look forward to our chats on Monday on Local Sports, and we'll do it again next week. Matt, it's always great catching up. I appreciate the run. Thanks for everything you do for Southern Indiana Sports. All right, thank you so much. That's going to wrap things up for this Monday program. You can always find us as a podcast. Wherever you listen to podcasts, all you got to do is search for the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison, and you'll find us there. Back with you Tuesday, tomorrow, 11 a.m., This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.